Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. Uh, Today, if you're new, my name is Caleb. I want to welcome you here. We are continuing in a series on the book of Genesis. So if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Genesis chapter 39. I'm going to be reading there from there in a moment. This is a story of Joseph. We are continuing the story. Last week, if you missed it, we talked about his dreams and the dreams he had that led him to being betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. And it brings us here to Genesis chapter 39. And I'm going to start in verse number 5 where Joseph is sold from his brothers into slavery, and then he's bought by a man named Potiphar, who is a leader in Egypt. And he's brought here to Egypt. Potiphar entrusts him or enlists him um, as one of his servants and then sees God's hand on him and actually empowers him to really run his household. And so that's where we're at, Genesis 39. We've been in this series for, uh, man, a bulk of this last year, but we're coming to the end, just a few weeks left. Let's start in verse number, actually, I'm going to start in verse four. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Everybody say, ooh. Just making sure you're awake today. And after a time, his wife's, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. Everybody say, oh, no. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as he spoke to Joseph day after day, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Everybody say, get out. Today I want to talk to you about purity. I know it's Memorial Day weekend, and I don't know what you came to hear, but I want to talk to you about purity, and I I really believe that this is a leadership talk, because you are all leaders. Whether you see yourself that way or not, I want to speak this over you. You are leaders. You all lead people in some way, in different spheres of life. You have influence, and people are looking to you and following you. Now, the reality is we are all tempted. In fact, 
I would say we are facing more temptation today than ever in human history. There is more temptation. We are being inundated with more in today's culture than ever. Temptation has always been a challenge for humanity, but right now it may be the greatest it's ever been. I believe it is the greatest. But you see, leaders experienced a greater level of temptation. Why is this? Because with favor comes freedom. And with freedom can come fixation. And unfortunately, in this day of freedom, in this culture and this country of freedom, there will come abuse. And we will fixate on the wrong things. So what are we fixated on today? We're fixated on money. We're fixated on power. We're fixated on sex. We're fixated on a person, on relationships. We're fixated on persuasion. Temptation comes in many forms, in many ways. And as leaders... Sometimes the temptation can be overwhelming. As human beings, sometimes the temptation can be intoxicating. And what temptation has the ability to do is to breed chaos in our life if we give in to the temptations that we're faced with. And what I see is that many of us have chaos all around us in this day and age, we are surrounded by chaos. It's surrounding us. But when we live with integrity, when we live with character, when we resist the temptations that we're faced with, I can tell you that there can be peace within us. So in a moment and a day with chaos surrounding us, if you are passionate about purity, I believe you can experience peace within you. When we live a life filled with compromise and compromising, what we're filled with is fear, stress, even anger. But with obedience, pursuing purity, I believe you can have peace. And so the message today is entitled, if you're taking notes, passionate about purity. I know we're passionate about a lot of things. Passionate about shoes. Passionate about what we wear. We're passionate about the Sacramento Kings. Can't wait for next year, Lord. We're passionate about sports, we're passionate about food, but not many of us would claim that we're passionate about purity. And yet today, that's what I want to challenge you with. Now, listen, God is not looking for perfect people. And I think some of you, maybe you're hearing this word and you're like, oh no, Caleb, you're going to challenge us to be perfect. No, God's not looking for perfect people, but he is looking for people who are passionate about purity. And so what I want to challenge us with today on this Memorial Day weekend is that we would live pure in a world of temptation. 
that we would live pure so we can experience peace in a world of temptation that wants to fill us with chaos. So the first thing we must do is set the standard. Everybody say standard. How can we live a life of peace if we never set a standard for our lives? Like a baseline standard that we live by. Too many people are going through life and letting the world dictate the standards rather than going into the world with the standards already set. Joseph could have had anything, everything in Potiphar's house except for one thing. And verse 6 tells us this. It says he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now I've read this story hundreds of times. I've preached this probably three or four times, but this week was the first time I saw this as I studied it in a different way. You see, this was written to a Jewish culture, and in the Jewish culture, they would have heard this reference and seen this reference, and when they saw he had no concern about anything but the food he ate, they know that this would have been a reference to, to sexuality, to sex. No concern about anything but the food he ate. It was talking about sex. Didn't have to worry about anything else but how he managed that part of his life. You know, we, we set standards in our lives in so many different ways. Um, my wife and I are getting ready to go on vacation. And with the kids, we're actually going to Disneyland a week from tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Happiest place on earth until you get there and then you realize it's not. <laughs> but man, when, when we went to Disneyland last time, it was two years ago. And we went, and when I go to Disneyland, I got a standard. And the standard is I'm riding every single ride in the park. And so when we get there, I tell my wife, we get there when the gates open and we leave when the gates close. Because I paid way too much money to not make the most of this. I set the standard. Now, my wife is different. She's like, oh, let's just take it easy. Can we relax? I'm like, no. I got things timed out from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I'm, I'm picking the next fast pass before that pa fast pass has even expired. And I'm going, we're going from here to here to here. I'm picking them in succession so we go in order. I am making the most of it. And the last time we went, babe, we did it, didn't we? We went dust to dawn. We hit every ride. I don't want to look back and be like, uh, I don't think I'll ever look back, babe, and be like, I wish we just spent more time hanging out at the hotel. No. We rode everything. We set our goals, and guess what happened? We achieved them. But how many of us are going through life with no standard for our life? And then we wonder why we so often fall short in the purity and the integrity that God has called us to. It says this, he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Joseph is speaking to Potiphar's wife. Because you are his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What was Joseph most concerned with? He was most concerned with pleasing God. And so here's the problem in the church, is that we so often live our lives and this life of Christianity or honoring God and we see it as a set of rules to follow. 
Like, let me make sure I do the do's and don't do the don'ts. And let me check off all the boxes in this religion that I've committed myself to rather than seeing it as a relationship. Because if I have a relationship with God, I want to honor God with my life. And can I tell you, you will be way more faithful to pleasing God if it's out of relationship rather than rule following. Because when it's about rules then when it feels oppressive or when you fall short, you feel like a failure. But when it's out of relationship, when you do fail, and you will, you hear me? You will give in to temptation. You will fail. You will fall short. You know that there's a God in heaven who you have relationship with that loves you and picks you up and dusts you off and says, it's all right, son, keep going. We need to have the standard, but the standard is not a root list of do's and don'ts. The standard is based on the relationship, an intimate relationship with the Father. That I know him and I want to please him. I don't live according to the standards of rules. I live according to the standards of a God that I love and am connected to heart, soul, and spirit. Joseph wouldn't sin against God. That was his greatest concern. Matthew 26, 41 says this, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is a reminder that your flesh is at war with your spirit. Like your spirit, I know that if you love God and you, and you want to live a relationship and, and honor God, your spirit is like, do the right thing. Live integrous. Pursue purity. But your flesh is weak. And so your flesh is constantly trying to get you to compromise. You see, so often we blame the enemy for our failures when often we need to look internally and say, no, I'm just a sinful, broken person. And I need more of God and more relationship with God so that the spirit man is stronger than the flesh man within me. I want to talk to you single people in the room for a moment. You're maybe single. You're maybe dating. You maybe been dating around. You're on every online dating app there is. That's okay. I know y'all are trying to find a spouse and I'm with it. But listen to me. So many couples I see And they want God's blessing, but they're not living under his anointing. You see, his anointing only comes when you follow this. And so if you're in in dating relationships, and you're in your single life, and you're messing around, sleeping around, having sex with every single person that you you see because you just want to try them out and see if they're a good fit, I just want to make sure we're compatible. Let me tell you, it works. You're compatible. Trust me. But God is saying, God is saying, That sex was meant to be enjoyed in the confines of marriage, but you're not living that standard, and then you're asking God to bless you. No, it ain't going to happen. He only blesses those who are anointed, and you're only anointed when you're under his word. Caleb, don't do it to him on Memorial Day weekend. Live pure in a world of temptation. we got to set the standard, church. The standards are based out of relationship, though. It's not religion. It's not do's and don'ts. It's a relationship to please the Father who you love and you're connected to and you want to honor your life with.
The second thing is we need to consider the consequences. You know, my, my wife and I, uh, now we're in a new season of life. Our kids are all in elementary school. It's amazing. They go to school all day long. And uh, we had three kids in three years. We had three, three and under. I do not recommend this. Do not do this, okay? It was rough for, for a few years there. And so I remember back to those early years, and I, I love golf, church. I'm, I'm just, I don't talk about it a lot, but like I'm borderline obsessed with golf. Okay, I'll talk about it some. I, I'm borderline obsessed with golf. God is still working on me about it. And, and so when, I, when our kids were young, I, want, I wanted to play every Friday. That's my day off. I wanted to play every Friday. And so my friends would be playing, and I'd ask my wife, I'd say, hey, babe, can I go play golf Friday, Friday morning? And she would say something to me often. She'd say, that's fine. That's fine. And so I'd be like, bet. And I'd go play. And I'd come back and I'd realize it wasn't fine, church. You see, sometimes they say that's fine and it's fine. But sometimes they say that's fine. It's not fine. It's not. It's just not. Marriage advice here. And so I had to consider the consequences to prioritizing golf in my life on my days off over my wife and my family and my marriage and my kids. And so I started asking her less frequent. And then when I would ask and she'd say, that's fine, I'm like, what kind of fine is this? I need clarification. But man, we so often don't consider the consequences to the decisions that we make in our daily lives, as it relates to purity, it says that as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. I don't know if you saw this, because some of you have been tempted in a moment. Like, you ever experienced temptation in your life, and it's a one-time thing, and you, 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 you resist it, you're like, I, I did it, Yes. It says day after day, she spoke to him. Day after day, she tempted him. Day after day, she tried to get him to lie with him. She pressured him. What would prevent him from doing this? I want you to think about any temptation in your life that you experience day after day. And I'm telling you, today, the reason I said we're more tempted than ever before, because we have temptation day after day. We need to be careful because day after day, we're, we're tempted by comparison on social media. I'm not just talking about sex today. We're tempted by comparison. Day after day, we're tempted by coveting what other people have because of the apps and the social media that we're on. And then day after day, we're tempted by sexual images. Day after day. And day after day, it says he would not listen to her. see, you need to hear me today that the enemy doesn't take a day off. And while I said, yeah, your flesh sometimes is what's causing you to stumble, 
Also, there's a real enemy, the Bible says. He's a lion seeking who he may devour, and he wants nothing more than to destroy your life, destroy your marriage, destroy your future, destroy your purpose, destroy your purity. He wants nothing more than to take you down. And day after day, he is inundating you with temptation. But can I encourage you today that we have a God who also doesn't take a day off. And day after day, he's around you, surrounding you, filling you with his power and his presence to live this pure life. You know, I was thinking about it as I, as I read this story. And I was struck by the next verse. Verse 11 says, but one day, everybody say one day. No men were in the house. And he went in to do his household work. Did you see that? One day, he went into the house and no men, none of the men of the house was there in the house. You see, the enemy is also always looking for an opening in your life. He's looking for a chink in the armor. He's looking for one day, that one day that you're depressed, that one day that you're discouraged, that one day when you and your wife have been fighting and you're frustrated and at your wit's end, that one day when you're at work and you're not feeling like living the integrous life God has called you to. The enemy is looking for that one day. And I think about Joseph. In this one day, you know what Joseph did? He actually put himself in a compromising position. Now, I'm not saying he did it on purpose. We don't see that in the text. I'm not saying that he thought through this or didn't think through this. But what I am saying, it's a lesson for us that we have to have our guard up, church. We got to be on guard every day, all the time. We got to wake up in the morning and say, God, I need the full armor of God. I need you to shod me from head to toe in your armor because the temptations are real and the temptations are coming for me. I wonder if Joseph had recognized no men are in the house. And it's just her. You know what? I'm going to finish the outside duties before I take care of the inside duties. I wonder if he had thought that way. If he wouldn't have been put in this position. This is just a reminder for us, church, that we would protect ourselves. We have opportunities every day to put ourselves in compromising positions and some of you do it because you you don't think it's a big deal and it is entertaining and it makes you feel good and you're just playing around and so I'll just slide in that woman's dms who isn't my spouse I'll just shoot that text to that co-worker and send them a funny meme it's not that big of a deal no, no, it's opening yourself up to compromise. We put ourselves in compromising positions, maybe unknowingly, but I want to challenge us that we would guard our reputation without abandoning our roles. I'm not saying you abandon your role. Joseph couldn't abandon his role, but maybe in that moment he should have made a different decision to guard his reputation. Verse 3 says, his master saw, I don't read this earlier, that the Lord was with him 
and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. You see, when I'm talking about passionate about purity, I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about purity in your life as an employee, as a boss, as a worker. Because here's what I've seen and what I felt like the Lord spoke to me here is that it's very easy to start thinking that there's people around us and over us, especially as it relates to work, that are taking advantage of the favor of God on us. It's, it would have been very easy for Joseph in this moment to say, I mean, he's using me to take care of all his business. And everything I touch is blessed. And his household is prospering because of me. So you know what? He's taking advantage of me. I have every right to take advantage of his wife. He's using me. Why not? I should get to use her. Joseph very easy, and I've seen this so much in leadership. I've seen this in workers that we want to undercut those above us. And I think all, of, all the time about, about David and Saul. You see, Saul was trying to kill David, though David did nothing but honor Saul. And one day, David is in a cave hiding with his mighty men, and Saul goes into that cave by himself to relieve himself and is, is inches away from David. And his mighty men are telling him, look, God has delivered him into your hand. Kill him. And David refused to touch him. Why? He says, I will not put my hand, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I know that those people may not be anointed by God, you see. They might not be people of God in your life, but they're over you and God has placed them there and you must honor them. You let God remove those who you see as impure leaders or unhealthy leaders or oppressive bosses. You let God remove them and you maintain your integrity and your character and do the right thing every single day. God will handle the rest. You see, when I say consider the consequences, I'm not talking about what could happen to you as it relates to this job. I'm talking about what could happen to God's hand on your life and his favor on you. Because I've seen it so often, this thinking that, oh, two wrongs make a right. No, they don't. And how often have we compromised in our character and our integrity? We've given in to temptation and we don't even realize that the favor of God is being lifted from our life. You see, the third thing we see here, if we're going to live pure in a world of temptation, is we got to run from the risk. Everybody say, run. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Some of you may find yourself caught in a tough position. You may find yourself caught in some temptation. You may find yourself caught, even in this moment, in some compromise. Can I just encourage you today that while you may be caught in it, you don't have to stay stuck in it. Today, you can run from it. You can leave it. You can leave behind even that which is binding you to that thing or that person. You may sometimes feel like the temptation is too overpowering for you to bear, but that's a lie because you have the power of God in you.
which you means you have the power to resist even the greatest temptation. If we're going to overcome temptation, I think practically we have to recognize what the Bible tells us as it relates to temptation. You see, the Bible never says to resist temptation. Nowhere in scripture do you see these words of resist temptation. Resist it. No, it always says flee from it. Run from it. Get away from it. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee the evil, evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. We must refocus and run. If you just try to resist the thought, it only intensifies as you focus on the wrong thing. And it strengthens its allure. But we don't fight the thought. Fight the thought, we change the channel of our minds and we get interested in another idea. The only way to do that is to run. Don't resist it, run from it. Don't resist it, flee from it. We don't fixate on it and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I turn my eyes and my attention and I run in the other direction and I get interested in something else. Some of you are playing around with temptation in your life. It's time to run from it. You know, Chrissy and I, a few years back, before we started this church, we find ourselves caught, found ourselves caught in a, a, a tough situation in a church. And uh, what had happened was we were on staff at this church, and, and my grandfather was the pastor, and we were the associate pastors, and he had a heart attack and died. And so the church and the leadership was obviously like um, thrown for a loop and they didn't know what to do. And there had been conversation of us taking over the church at the time. I'm 29 years old, mind you. And, and immediately there began this infighting where half the board was for us and half of them were against us. Half of them wanted us to be the pastor and half of them wanted us nowhere near that church. And so we were in the middle of this leadership vacuum. And can I tell you, there was temptation time after time to compromise and to actually let's get on board with these who are on our side. We could fight against these others. We could even get them out. There were board members saying to me, we could vote those other board members out so that you can take over this church. But God kept telling me, no, let me fight your battles. Let me fight for you. You don't have to enforce your will. If it's my will, I'll make it happen. And so the time finally came where I, Christy and I felt like God was telling us to leave, to resign, and to tell them we're going to plant a church. And so we told them, and we left, and we walked away, and because of that, Project Church was planted in downtown Sacramento. And I want to tell you, this isn't to give ourselves credit or to say, oh, we're perfect and we always do things the right way, but it is to say that sometimes you got to just run from the risk of compromising the character and the integrity and the purity that God has called you to because God actually has something greater for you. Amen. You see, looking at that, it could have been, but here's a church, a church building, a bunch of people. What could be greater than that? Can I tell you, God brought us to something greater Amen. because of obedience because of a willingness to stay committed to the purity that he was calling us to, sometimes doing the right thing will cost you something. Oftentimes, 
I think about Joseph doing the right thing, leaving his cloak and running out the house naked. Saying, I'm, I'm not even going to play around. I'm not even going to resist this. I'm out. And what happens to him? He's thrown in prison for years because of doing the right thing. But we know as we continue the story that this was all a setup for God fulfilling the dream. You see, give up the temporary favor, church, for the eternal promises. I'm telling you, it's worth it every single time. And the last thing is we have to be patient in the process. We have to be patient in the process. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You see, Joseph goes from command over a household, the leader under Potiphar, to a prisoner for doing the right thing. And yet in prison, God was faithful. And so here's my encouragement to you. That if you are passionate about purity, if you pursue purity, if you don't leave God, I believe the favor of God won't leave you. Even if you're in a situation that feels like his favor has left you. Like, Caleb, I did the right thing, and I'm in the fire. I did the right thing, and I'm in prison. I did the right thing, and I lost my job. I did the right thing, and that relationship didn't work out. Can I tell you, the favor of God is still on you, even though you may not see it, because you see in part, but God sees the whole. He sees the whole picture. And it may not always feel like favor, but often... The setback is a setup for something greater in your life. What I've seen is that many people are overexposed and underdeveloped. Do you hear me? Like right now, we are overexposed. With the images on TV constantly, the sexual images being thrown at us, social media, comparison, temptations, money, we are exposed in today's culture more than ever before. The problem is that our character is underdeveloped. And so when you're overexposed and underdeveloped, you will compromise and give in to temptation. And that's why God sent me to preach this message. To help develop that which is underdeveloped in us. Because the overexposure that this culture is throwing at us is going to continue. But if my character is developed, if my integrity is rock solid, if the foundation of my relationship with Jesus Christ is firm, let me tell you that no matter how exposed I am, I can still resist temptation. No matter how exposed I might be, I've developed what needs to be developed. 
And for many of us, if we were honest, we would say, yeah, my character is underdeveloped. My integrity is underdeveloped. My purity is underdeveloped. And I said it to you earlier, God's not looking for perfect people. He knew you would mess up. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to take your sin, take your failure, take your mistakes, take your impurity, take your compromise, and wash it clean. He forgives you. And so today, I know there are people in this place, and this message is filling you with shame. That is not of God. That's the enemy. He doesn't want you covered in shame or guilt or condemnation. He wants you to know you failed, you've messed up time and time again, over and over again. But I came to give you life, life to the fullest. I came to set you free. And so today, embrace the forgiveness and the grace of God on your life. Embrace it. I'm not here to shame you or guilt you, I am here to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. Because while he forgives us, he also doesn't leave us as we are. He doesn't want us to stay the same. He doesn't want us caught in the same cycles, in the same temptation, in the same compromise, in the same impurity. No, he wants to strengthen us to live different in the future. It's why Jesus, speaking to the woman at the well, who had had five husbands and now she's living with a man who's not even her husband. He forgives her and he says, now go and sin no more. He calls her higher. His grace is sufficient, but he doesn't leave us as we are. And he wanted you here today to challenge you to change to challenge you to get passionate about purity. You're passionate about a lot of things in your life, but purity isn't one of them. He wants us passionate about purity. Why? Because that's where the favor of God lives. So why should we be passionate about it? Number one, because purity is pleasing to God. Why would you be passionate about purity? Because it pleases God. It pleases the Father. And second, because it protects us. I want my marriage protected. I want my leadership protected. I want my pastorship protected. I want this church protected. And I've said it to this church before. One moment of weakness could undo a lifetime of faithfulness for me. The stakes are too high. And the cost is too great for me to play around with my purity. That's why I'm passionate about it. Because I will not allow, and, and, and not in my strength, but with God's strength, I will not allow this temptation or the temptations of this world to ruin what God is trying to do in my life and through my life. So listen to me, your leaders, your leaders, your leaders, your leaders, you don't believe it about yourself, you're a leader. And God wants to use you. But the thing that hijacks more leaders, more opportunities, more marriages, more destinies than anything else is compromise. So may we become passionate about purity. And I want to close with this. I want to give you the secret to purity. You see, there's a secret. And it's fitting that I'm going to share it with you on this day. You see, while this is Memorial Day weekend, this is also Pentecost Sunday. 
And some of you going, what's Pentecost? Well, Pentecost was a Jewish celebration. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus ascends to heaven and he tells his disciples, he says, wait, for I'm about to send a comforter, a counselor, that is going to come and dwell within you and endue you with power from on high. And so they go and they wait. And the reason today is Pentecost Sunday is because 50 days after Jesus' resurrection on Pentecost, uh, which was the Jewish celebration on that day, the disciples are in the upper room. And in the upper room, they're waiting and they're praying and suddenly there's a wind and tongues of fire come and rest on the heads of the disciples and they begin to speak in tongues, not their own. Other languages begin to come out of them and the Holy Spirit fills them up and endues them with power. So what's the secret to purity? It's the secret that sustained me all these years. You see, every time... I had an opportunity to compromise, and there was many. Every time I had an opportunity to give into temptation, and there's been many. Every time I was tempted, there was this voice that was louder than the temptation telling me who I was, what I was called to, what my purpose is, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And so today, the secret is that the power of God through the Holy Spirit upon salvation comes and fills you up and goes inside of you. And so the secret is that you would attune your ear and your heart to the voice of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that Jesus sent to dwell within his believers upon his ascension. He sent him, why? So we would have a counselor, a comforter, a guide, a powerhouse to fill us up. And so every time the temptation comes, if I've attuned my ear and I've attuned my heart, the voice of the Spirit is louder than the, the temptation that I face. And when that voice is louder, how could I ignore the voice of God speaking to me and calling me higher, calling me greater, speaking out my purpose and my call over my life? I'm not going to give in to this weak temptation. I'm not going to give up what matters most for a temporary satisfaction. So today I want to pray over us that we would have an ear and a heart that is so attuned to the Spirit of God and the voice of God that that voice is louder than any temptation we ever face in this world. Jesus, right now, I speak out the Spirit of God in the hearts of your people. Some of them in this room, they don't know what your voice sounds like. They, they can't delineate between their own thoughts and your voice. But today, in this place, I believe there's a mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit about to fill this room and fill the hearts of your people. And you're going to fill them up to where your voice is the voice they hear. And your voice is the voice that they can delineate from the temptation and the lies of this world. So right now, God, may our ears be attuned. May our hearts be sensitive and may your voice be louder than any temptation we face in this world. Fill us up. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.